Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. I'm Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft Richard. How you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, excited for a lot of ba- daytime basketball and uh, honestly to kick kiss 20 goodbye 2020 goodbye goodness <laughs> yeah kick kiss it really doesn't matter yeah, just <laughs> get it the hell out of here for real um yeah we're recording this on new year's eve um midday new year's eve but new year's eve nonetheless uh we'll see if i'm able to get it out today or at some point tomorrow for you guys but um you know before we kind of get into the um 2020 awards show that that Richard's going to kind of host for us here. Um, I figure we should start with the Mavs as we are Mavs draft. Um, I think the last episode we recorded before I uh, drove up to Ohio um, was preseason talk. So we've got four games in the bag now. We've got the close loss to the Suns, loss to the Lakers, the abnormal 51 point (laughs) blow out of the Clippers and then the uh, semi-normal getting blown out by the Hornets. Um, So I'll just ask this question. Are you panicking? No, uh, the Mavs don't have their second best player. There's nothing to panic about. Um, I, I think that, I think the Mavs probably, But but what is he going to shoot? <laughs> Ten and a half. Uh, no, like, I <laughs> like twenty eight, thirty. Yeah, no, I think he'll end up in the mid thirties, low mid thirties. I don't see it. See, I, it's rough. I, I think at some point he's going to click. I, I really hope it is above thirty because I mean he does. What is he taking? Like thirty something threes already. I mean it's a it's a number that he's going to have a hard time overcoming, and he'll need like a lot of hot stretches. But I feel like that's not unrealistic, right? I, I don't. I mean, he's he's not a good three point shooter. You know, as a rookie, thirty two and thirty two point seven percent last year, thirty one point six percent. Part of it is shot selection, but part of it's also just his, his shot looks broken. Yeah, I, I I can't even describe what it is. It doesn't look like. I guess he's got more lift. It's is that. I mean, I know he said he doesn't have his legs under him, but yeah, he's he got no lift. Him. Yeah, there's no lift. There's no fluidity. Uh, there's no um, cohesiveness to the shot. It's um, rhythmically, it looks off. Um, and he's never looked like a great rhythm shooter. Um, and he's always had that kind of hitch in his shot. And uh, you know, he doesn't. I don't know. He he lacks something there, but it's it's looked worse than ever. Now on the flip side, I think his free throw looks a lot better, and not just because it's falling, but you. I mean, you could tell like he he doesn't have that kind of hitch that that he had kind of going into the bubble last year. Um, just looks a lot cleaner to me. But while I'm also not going to hit the panic button for a number of reasons. That's something I'm worried about. I, I, I'm unless he reworks the shot, I don't really see him ever being a consistent, you know, thirty-six percent three-point shooter. 
Yeah, and I, I don't expect him to get league average this year. Like, just to be clear, I, I just I do think he'll get. I mean, yeah, it is a it is a hard number to overcome, but I, I think a little hot stretch to counter it would go a long way. Uh, like you said, though, the free throws. I mean, last year, actually, funny enough, he was only uh, two free throws difference between four games last year and this year. The first four games he took thirty four um, free throws. This year, he's taken thirty six. And last year he was shooting seventy five percent, and this year he's up to eighty percent. So I mean that's that's a noticeable, sustainable difference, you know. Yeah, and and look, I mean he doesn't have to be a good shooter to to win games. Like you know, Milwaukee's best player can't can't shoot to save his life. But if he's going to take those shots, and he's going to take those shots, especially in crunch time, he has to hit them. Otherwise. You know, we're we're gonna continue to lose those close games. Right. And yeah, I mean no Porzingis hurts, and I do think that once Porzingis comes back, you'll see a huge increase overall just because good players make good players better. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a one man show right now, in terms of star power, he really does need to be better about showing up more. I, I mean, just last night's game is pretty unacceptable. Um I I just I don't know what it is he needs. I, I guess the rhythm wouldn't hurt. I don't know if really it's something there. I don't know if he's, it's mentality. I don't know what it is, but I mean, the maps have a lot of issues. Luckily, Luca still gets good performances. Like it's just, it makes it harder. You don't want to have to rely on every other role player. You know, you don't want to have your role players being the ones carry you. Um, and that's kind of what's happening in this. I mean, Luca's had one game where he's made a three. Like, you just can't have that five assists last night. I mean, only 12 points. He made four shots. That's, I don't know, against the Hornets who aren't exactly a defensive stronghold. Like I, I just, I don't know. That is concerning to me, but hopefully it was just a fluke. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he, he writes the ship in, in that department. And again, I'm with you. Um, when you get KP back, you get your second best player, uh, probably your best rebounder, um, best shot blocker. So, I mean, that, that's going to change things dramatically, having him out on the floor. Um, but to me, I, I still see two major flaws uh, with the team. Um, and actually, before I get into those, I think the other reason it's not worth hitting the panic button is they don't have a first-round pick. There's no reason to tank. Like, you know, there, there's... <laughs> Nothing good can come of it, so might might as well just say, okay, like what can we do to right the ship? What can we do to right the ship? Right? It's it's not like um, you know Golden State being like, okay, well we we still can't win games without Clay. Like maybe we we just Steph gets injured again and we we get Cade. Right? Like Dallas can't do that. <laughs> um, but but anyway, getting back to the the two things that are concerning. Uh, to me as rebounding and a secondary creator, um, which I've been harping on a lot. So let's start with rebounding. Um, I think the Mavs are like 27th and rebounding or something. Um, but a lot of it to me is these, these long rebounds, right? It, it's not the ones that, you know, you miss a box out near the basket and it's just a put back dunk. I mean, you do have a couple of those, but they're giving up a lot of long offensive rebounds. So I have my theories on why that is, but what do you think? Well, 
Um, I I don't have a specific reason. I do think it starts at the top. I, I mean, it's hard when your big man isn't really a good rebounder. Your best rebounder is Luka Doncic. Uh, those are some of the negatives. But, I mean, I'm looking at the box score of the Hornets game. The two highest rebounding totals, three actually, were, none of them were big men. It was Miles Bridges, Lamella Ball, and then Gordon Hayward. And then, then Bismack Biombo, and then Terry Rozier. So I think that's like right there, a glowing example of it. The fact that I mean, 16 rebounds from Miles Bridges, he's a good rebounder and like, he's a good athlete and everything, but, um, but that just shouldn't be happening. You know, that I just don't think you can have those non big men. They're not boxing guys out. You know, they're not, they're not taking Dwight Powell. They're not taking Maxi Cleaver. They're not taking all those guys. And I, I think ultimately it is a personnel thing to an extent. The Mavs don't have great, ball hawks uh, on the loose balls you know i mean i think that's an area where josh green can help uh i still kind of wish he would get more minutes um but i do think it's a personnel thing and the fact that luca can't be your best rebounder and you can't expect you know and porzingis is out like he gets a lot but he's not exactly a what's it called he's not he's not you know gonna be bullying guys on the glass yeah i agree with everything you said um dwight powell and maxi kleba are not high level rebounders um Collie Stein's okay, but he's more of an offensive rebounder to me. Um, but I would need to look at the numbers to to see if this checks out. But to me, it's running out there with, you know, Jalen Brunson, Trey Burke, and Tim Hardaway Jr. out there at the same time. And, and you have no you have no size in your one through three. And I think that's where the, the Mavs have been getting killed on the glass is because when, you know, when, when you shoot a three, there's a long rebound and you have guys that aren't skilled rebounders. They're small. They're not, you know, high level leapers. Um, And to me that, that I think is as much of, the reason for the rebounding struggles as you know the lack of a, a quality big man rebounder if if all five guys on the floor aren't boxing out chasing the ball um and that's another problem is 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 effort um the energy just hasn't been there which which is really discouraging when everything we we talked about in the off season was oh they they added these these dogs in the off season, these effort guys, you know, and it's just not there right now. Yep. No, that's so true. And especially for a team that had this high of expectations. I mean, like the only other team that we see not show effort is the Clippers and they're kind of, uh, they're on the, I don't know. They're kind of close to being like, they're also a title contender, but they also could be, they're on the cusp of like blowing up. You know, I, I just, it's, it's effort is just the most inexcusable thing. And especially under Carlisle teams, it's always been something that, that we've done, you know, like, I feel like that we've always seen as that's not an issue. You know, the Mavs very rarely for stretches get effort as a knock. And, and this year it's been so far, I think that's the biggest knock you could say. I mean, obviously, yeah, there's some stuff that in the personnel, but I don't know. I feel like a lot of these mistakes have been avoidable. I would agree. Um, and then I want to come back to, to the second point of lack of a secondary creator. Yeah, and I thought it was really obvious at times yesterday um, during that that Hornets game is 
Richardson has flashes of it. Um, you know, we saw him put the ball on the floor and uh, I want to say he was attacking baseline, probably like midway through the second quarter, he was attacking baseline and then found the, um, the weak side wing three on like a jump pass. And, and he'll do that on occasion. But other than that, if, if Luke is not creating shots for people, I don't know where they're coming from right now. Um, Brunson's not creating for anybody. Burke's not create. Burke can create for himself, but that's it. Yep. Um, God, Hardaway. If if he, Hardaway is an elite catch and shoot guy, but the minute he has to think about what he's doing, <laughs> like throw it all out the window, dude. It's <laughs> it's not good. It it hurts that I laugh, but I mean, yeah, like his decision making when he takes a dribble, it's just he's a whole different player. He's not even close to the same person, and. And it's wild to me. Like it, it really is that that someone like him who, like you said, has an elite skill. I, I do think the catch and shoot is elite. Um, I think if he was a pure, a purely, sh- you know, catch and shoot guy, the Mavs would be a lot better. Uh, which I guess one last thing on this: Would you do you think addition by subtraction um, would be, um, yeah, be a good idea? Okay, that's that's what I think is a big solution. I think there's a lot of ball stoppers at times. Um, I think that's something that could probably help with the creation. Also probably makes Luca's numbers and job just look better. So, and easier. But like, but, but that's when we saw his, his boost last year, right. Was when he got put with Luca and somebody created for him. Um, and look like that, like you, you need players who can capitalize like that and he can, but I, I still think the biggest upgrade you can make is Tim Hardaway to somebody who can legitimately create for himself and for others, yeah. whether that's, you know, I, I like the name Zach Levine or Oladipo, the way he's been playing, um, you know, guys like that who can come in, be your third best player. But But the thing with Porzingis is, you know, Porzingis is a scorer. He's not a creator. Uh, and that's fine. You know, he doesn't have to be that. That's not why he's here. You know, he, he gives you so many other advantages on the defensive side of the ball that it is what it is, but you have to have that secondary creator and Richardson's not quite that guy. And if he's the third creator, that's, that's where things are ideal for you. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it makes complete sense to me. Like I, I just, you don't want him being your second best creator. It's, it can limit your ceiling. It really does. Um, and I, I, and the hard thing is, I don't know what the Mavs can do in the trade market. I think it's a lot of Mavs fans think that, you know, I, Mavs fans think they can get Zach Levine. There's no way. Like we all know that he is an all-star caliber player. We know he's rotting away in Chicago. That doesn't mean that Chicago's like, yeah, yeah, this guy's a scrub, you know. Because yeah, not- let's be real, okay. the Mavs probably can't acquire more than a bench player with their assets. Twenty twenty five and twenty twenty seven first round picks are not coveted. Um, like these kids literally aren't even in high school yet. I don't think maybe starting high school. Um, yeah, it's it's a long ways away, and the, those trade assets mean nothing. They have Brunson and. I don't know, a couple other guys maybe. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what they do. I'm not trying to suggest they need to make a trade, but they do need to figure some th- stuff out. I do think 
changing up the rotation would help. I mean, I think Josh Green, I don't want to call him a creator. He definitely helps because he is pass first. I don't know if like in garbage time, even some of those baseline drives, he was making insane passes still. Like it, it didn't drop off. I just, I feel like Tyrell Terry, maybe like, I don't know if he's really ready for the rotation. I'm not calling for it, but there's guys that like, I don't know, just maybe change up the rotation would help too. Cause I mean, let's be real. Nobody finalizes their rotation four games in, you know? Right. And I want to see green just from the, the whole standpoint of energy and effort and yep. get someone in there. Who's who, who looks like they care. Yeah. And not and- to say, look, I mean, obviously the Mavericks care. Um, they want to win. They're playing. I know they're playing hard, but there's just an energy level that isn't quite there. But I like who was bringing that last year. Like that. That's what I can't quite figure out. Like it wasn't. I, he's not like an energetic guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I mean, he could be. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe we don't know what goes on in the locker room, but like. You know, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, even in the bubble, you could say the same. Maxi didn't look the same. Although, real quick, shout out to Maxi because he's been one of the top three players on the team. Yeah, he's been really good. But I, I just, yeah, it is a like what changed? The personnel barely has changed. Justin Jackson wasn't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't finish that sentence. Delon Wright wasn't. You know, like these guys. I don't know. Like I thought Willie Cauley Stein shown flashes of it. Uh, I just I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the two way guys. Maybe Antonius Cleveland and uh, and Josh Reeves. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like I mean seriously though, the point is like nothing. Yeah, you, you're right. The roster hasn't changed. There's you know these these fringe guys did not do it. I think it's a lot of the same problems, and it's just exacerbated by the fact that your seven foot three unicorn isn't available. Yep, I agree. So anyway, I, I think we've. We harped on this enough. Um, <laughs> why don't you? Uh, why don't you take us through to our 2020 award show so we can get this year over with? And yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to just quick personal anecdote? Like this year's trying to kill me at the very end. Um, all of a sudden, like heat stopped working, dishwasher broke, uh, internet went out. Uh, that we tried to record a couple days ago, but the internet went out. So. Uh, well, 2020 doesn't want me to see the next few hours into 2021. <laughs> Good news, though, if there was ever a time for uh, for the Heat to stop working, I believe the Mavs play the Heat next, do they not? That would be quite the segue. <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure that's the next game, and it, it is. It's tomorrow on Friday. So if your Heat is back, I'm a little bit concerned about that game. If not, let me know. I'll choose the Mavs. So... Uh, but yeah, no. You want to stick with uh, you want to stick with the NBA first, or you want to do the draft stuff first? It's, NBA and Mavs. Well, let's say Mavs. Well, we're on the Mavs. We'll stay with the Mavs. <clears throat> All right. So this will just be kind of rapid fire. Nothing too serious. Uh, obviously, take however long you want to answer. Because uh, we didn't go over this too much before the show. Um, but we wing here at Mavs draft. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty low key. So like. Uh, the first one, uh, let's start with generic with the NBA favorite NBA moment. Like can be any, take this any direction you want. doesn't always have to be positive hmm. or I, most notable. I think my favorite NBA moment, well, you know, I'll, I'll save that for, for the map. <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> I, I have one that I'll save for the map. So my, 
I don't know if it's my favorite, but I will say the most memorable for me was Rudy Gobert just being a total jack wagon, touching all the microphones and giving the entire world coronavirus. Dude, he shut the entire, I mean, like, if you think about it, he's the person that made COVID be taken seriously. And then like 10 minutes later, Tom Hanks got COVID or was announced. Rudy like, I mean, Dave COVID. To Tom. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, Rudy feels bad about it. And, you know, it's, it's more of just kind of a running joke at this point, but um yeah like when you think about it that like once that happened that to me was when oh my god this thing is it's here and it's real yeah Uh, well and then we haven't seen the light of day ever since yeah and and for me it was crazy because i was supposed to go to the conference usa tournament that was the first night and my parents were like begging me (laughs) my parents were begging me to not go and like because i had to stop by there at first to get something and uh and I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, it's not going to be here, you know, whatever. And then I saw that, like, as I was about to leave and it was just, I didn't even go like it, it changed. I mean, it changed the world. I mean, at that point we knew there was going to be no tournaments the day. I mean, that day the Warriors were announced they weren't even going to have fans for the Nets game on the next day. And they just canceled it. Um, I mean, yeah, that was definitely. My the- students were like, is this going to be a problem here? This was like in January. I was like, no, like we're going to be fine. And here, here we are almost a year later. <laughs> Oh, that's tough. That is tough. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, dude, it hit everybody, you know, and it was the day the world's kind of stood still. It's probably the closest we'll ever see in our life for that moment, you know? Yeah. So, what about your answer to the question? So, I got, it is hard not to say the one you were going to say for the Mavs. Um, I do think that my favorite, and I don't, I don't think this is a favorite, like in a positive way. It's just kind of like a really most memorable. Uh, for me was honestly when Kobe died, when De- I think it was Devin Booker and everybody just kind of the way the league, uh, all the guys went out and just balled out. I, I don't know. It was, it was a day I remember the most where, uh, you know, everybody was contributing their game to Kobe and everything. Um, and I mean, dude, the night before I was, I mean, I thought that was going to be one of the biggest moments of 2020 when LeBron passed Kobe. Um, I don't know. Like it was just, it was a crazy thing. And and it was just amazing to kind of see how much Kobe touched the league. And I hated Kobe growing up. I never was a fan of the guy. I loved I loved him in his last year because I saw, like, I finally saw the light. Uh, but, <laughs> but, like, I hated him as a player for most of my life. I mean, you know, he killed the Magic. Obviously, you know I'm a Magic fan. Um, he dropped, what, that 50-pointer against the Mavs? And, and just kind of seeing how, I don't know, it, it was in a sad way. I wish we didn't have to see that. But uh, just kind of seeing how close the league is and everything, I thought that was really cool. But yeah, so why don't we go into the best Mavs moment? We probably have the same thing. Uh, your favorite or best Mavs moment of the year? Uh, I mean, it can only be one. I'm assuming it happened in September. What am I blanking on? Oh, okay. So we have different answers. Awesome. That's good. What's yours? <laughs> I was I was just looking up. Did Dirk retire in 2020? <laughs> I mean, everything blends together, so it makes sense. <laughs> No, he did not retire. <laughs> oh no! I... What your the game winner against against the Clippers, the oh, Luca game winner? I thought that's that... not mine. Wow, I thought that, that was, was our first one. <laughs> yeah, no, I I loved the game winner. I remember that. Like, I was on massive TV delay, and all of a sudden, I think you texted me, uh, and a few like three, four other people texted me. They go, "Holy crap, Luca, Luca!" And my phone's just done. Like I could not touch my phone and I'm like, well, I don't know what's about to happen, but like, and then all of a sudden, you know, the step back game winner, which 
even though like the Mavs lost the series, that was insane. That was probably probably the best Mavs moment for me since, uh, excluding Dirk retiring, but it, since Vince Carter um, hitting the game winner against the Spurs in 2014. What was yours now? Now I'm really curious. Is it something before the bubble? Yeah, it was the fact that the the Mavs won the last game before the bubble. Oh, and yeah. We thought on. that the Mavs won the last game of the year, and that meant they were the de facto <laughs> champions, and it didn't turn out that way. But to me, that was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Boban had a huge game. Yeah, Boban went off. Like 30 and 10? Something like that? Like That or like 20 and 20, <laughs> like something ridiculous. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> There's your answer, answer to the rebounding woes. Is... Yeah. <laughs> Boban peaked. That was, that's the issue. <laughs> so, okay, I'm assuming then the next one was going to be the best Mavs game of 2020. Um, would that be your answer? No, it would be the Clipper one. Yeah. Okay, so, see, man, that that Mavs game in, in Denver or against Denver was – crazy because i mean i first of all i was glued to it for the fact that i didn't know the next time i would be watching um an nba game but um also just because like i i don't know just the whole atmosphere that probably skewed my perception but another one i was gonna say was uh i want to say it was actually the it was the game before i think and i went to it, it as the last Mavs game i've been to was indiana um where they uh, i i want to say they won they might have lost. Nope, they lost. Never mind. So this is a bad memory, and I am blanking on it. Then I'm going to go with a different one because my memory is wrong, and I'm looking this up as I'm doing it. The Pelicans game. It was a few days before also, and that was where Maxi shut down Zion, and the Mavs won by four. That one's probably – those two – I remember the Pacers game better, but I liked the Pelicans one more. Okay. So that would be that would be my answer. Great. And then uh, – so what's yours? Yeah, the, I mean the Clipper game. That, oh, you that said whole, the Clippers. I'm sorry. That you whole said game. the Clippers. My bad. That whole series, <laughs> because to me, it, it made the Mavs feel relevant. Like that, that a high level team like the Clippers wanted to consider them like rivals. And it just, yeah. we, we hadn't been there in a long time. Yeah. And that was, that was probably the game where Luca came the MVP favorite. No, like, cause he had 44 yeah. points or 43, whatever. I mean, he barely missed. He took over that game and it was an overtime win too. Like that was the game that put him like, he was a star. People knew he was the next guy, but that was the one that solidified. That, it, I think that was the player. game that solidified the Mavericks playing in prime time on Christmas day. Yep. And fun, fun fact. Do you remember who else had a dominant game that day? He had 25 points. Trey Burke, he went 10 of 14. I'm looking at the box score. That is, I forgot he was a huge part of that. Uh, That was probably the game that earned him a three-year, $10 million contract. Yeah. Yeah, well, that and the Suns game to open the bubble. Yeah. Or whatever game, or the Rockets, whichever one it was. I think it was the Rockets. So last one for the Mavs and NBA. Biggest surprise, this can you take this any way, whether it's something tangible or not. Biggest surprise of 2020 for the Mavs. Um, I the shutdown doesn't count because that was pretty surprising. <laughs> yeah, right. I I will say the biggest surprise for me was the Mavs not doing anything substantial aside from the Josh Richardson trade in the off season because I thought I I thought there were I didn't think it was going to be a signing. But I thought they were going to get in on the 
um, the sign and trade and or or unloading of one of these like almost star players, um, and they weren't. So that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, that's a good answer. I feel like the off season was mine as well. And, and maybe uh, it shouldn't be. Maybe it shouldn't be because again, the Mavs haven't signed anybody super significant in a long time. But it seems like whenever they're ready to make that push, they they add a somewhat substantial piece. And maybe that that was Josh Richardson for them. But I thought they were going to utilize their cap space, whether that was a sign and trade for Gallinari or get in on the Drew Holiday sweepstakes um, or uh, Bogdan or something like that. Buddy Heald, someone who didn't move. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking back to like when they got like Tyson Chandler uh, or Karam Butler, um, you know, kind of those trades to kind of push them into the the championship caliber. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good answer. Mine's really close. I would say the Josh Richardson trade stunned me. Uh, I didn't expect Seth Curry to be moved. I thought for sure he was the role player that the Mavs were. Um, kind of just hoping, you know, to keep that he was going to be almost untouchable as a role player. Uh, I I mean, we were on FaceTime when that happened, and I still just – it's still amazing to me that trade was pulled off. Um, I don't really think anything in-game surprised me, except Luca just blows me away every time I watch him. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, that's expected at this point. Um, although one one to counter kind of what you said, one offseason move I really liked was the James Johnson move to get rid of their two most negative assets in DeLon Wright and Justin Jackson – and they turned him into a cute or a rotation player early on in James Johnson. I really did like that. I thought that was that negated a lot of the non signings, you know. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> All right, what's next? So now we're gonna move to the draft. Uh, these are gonna be combined. So our pool of this is any prospect uh, who is played in the year twenty twenty. Um, so actually, I guess that Chet excludes uh, James Wiseman. That, ex- that excludes James Wiseman. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah. Sorry, I, didn't think about I probably I should have expanded that now that I think about it. But uh, <laughs> more so just for draft eligible. Yeah. 20, uh, let's go 2020 so. and 2021 draft eligible. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Unfortunately, Moni Bates. And even though they did show out in that game. So let's start simple. Best score in 2020. Best score. Yeah, in the combined fields. Hmm. I got my answer. I actually, I, All right, go I'm ahead. very confident in my answer. I like Cameron Thomas, LSU. I think that dude's a three level score. I don't know. I don't know how much he brings as an impact, but man, he is a, I hate this phrase. He is a bucket though. Like if there's anybody to embody what a walking bucket is, it's him. Um, I answered that too quick. Didn't I? I'll go with Anthony Edwards. Um, I think if there's one thing he does really, really well, it's score. Um, and I had said, you know, I I had all my other issues with Edwards that kept him from being my top player, but you can't question the scoring ability. Uh, he's shooting, um, freak athlete, you know, to me, if, if I had to put money on any draft eligible player, to go off for 40 points in an NBA game, he's probably the one I would pick. Yep. That's, he was easily the second choice for me. 
Um, and he's already doing it 15 points a game in his first like three or four games. Yeah. So I mean, can't, you can't go wrong there. Um, next one, um, biggest, or sorry, sorry, wrong one. Smartest player, uh, highest IQ, however you want to take this smartest player of the 2020 field. Okay. What's your pick? I got Devin Vassell. Um, never seen the guy make a bad decision. Man. Did I answer too quick? <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> no, but I mean, for real, that, that's why I put him as a generational defender. Like on defense, he doesn't, he literally doesn't make mistakes. Um, I, I do think he's the most mistake free prospect I've seen uh, come through. Him and another guy I was thinking of, if he didn't have so many surrounding concerns, as that's already been negated a little bit in his early NBA time, Tyrese Halliburton's up there. Um, also, I mean, Sticking with 2021, you really can't go wrong with Cade. I mean, there's a reason he's number one prospect. Like, he's got the field down. And Jalen Suggs. I think Jalen Suggs is probably my third choice. Yeah. <laughs> this is a hard one. Maybe even Desmond Bain. I keep coming back to LaMelo, but he makes too many boneheaded plays defensively. <laughs> um, God, I hate you. <laughs> pass pass yeah it's a best passer so you go Cade that's what I'm getting sure. at here. your answer is Cade hey if you come back to it we'll come we'll uh we'll get that so I gotta pull up a list under- of players because I'm <laughs> I'm fried well now now this will be a little bit of opinion a and it's to be fair being fried from the draft this year is fair um most underrated prospect of the year I know your yours is Elijah Hughes. Am I right? <laughs> no comment. No comment. Yeah, it's Elijah Hughes. <laughs> oh, it, it, I'll take Killian Hayes, a smartest player. We'll go with that. Okay. I like that, that sounds fun. I like that. I like that. Good pick. Uh, okay. Most underrated. Um, I've I've stopped kind of paying attention to what other people are saying so it, it's hard for me i i still don't think cory kispert's getting enough love i'll go with cory kispert that's high praise you do you have him top 20 yeah Would you say, like, he, us, he's a top 20 player for me damn yeah no that's a good take it's a bold one it is definitely uh not what i'm seeing around but i don't man i didn't like kispert as much last year i did not like kispert like I thought he was, thought he was overblown as a shooter, uh, but this year he's shown a lot more early on. And also, that Gonzaga team is as close to a pro team and showing out like he is. That's that makes me hopeful. Yeah. Now let's go to the other end. Most overrated. I feel like you've got someone on this. Although you don't take, like, you don't have like hot takes like that. Though. Yeah, I know. Most overrated. Who's yours? It's the hardest one for me. Um, I, I'm i already wrong on someone who I had probably would have gone with if I had said this about a month ago, but like the way he started the season, I can't actually die on this hill, uh, which is I thought Tyrese Halberton was super overrated as a prospect, um, but I'm starting to eat crow already, so <laughs> I'm wrong on that. I would say, man, I, I wasn't big on uh, – 
on Obi Toppin. I still don't think he's going to be a, that great of a pro. Uh, I just I don't know how much he can do when he can't create for himself. That really worries me. Uh, twenty twenty one. I don't think there's really anybody that jumps out like in a negative way yet. I am down on the class as a whole, but um, I don't know. I haven't seen. I actually. There's one who I think is a little bit overrated just because I don't see what he does like in terms of bringing winning value so far. Uh, Josh Christopher, who I loved in high school, but man, I just, I feel like he's going to be an empty stats guy in the NBA at this rate, but I'm not dying on that hill. Just kind of early impression. Uh, those would be my, my short list. Um, I just had a name and I lost it. Good Lord. What am I doing? Hey, I got someone for underrated that we could have thrown in that we've talked about before. Go ahead. Kai Jones. Yeah, that's my guy. I still don't think he gets much traction. And it being a big also, like, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't do you any favors. I guess I'll say, um, I don't know, RJ Hampton. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, biggest surprise of the 2020 draft. Udoka Azabuke getting drafted, yeah. let alone in the first round. Yeah. That one I'm ready yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have said, actually, I think the pick before was someone who I didn't like, but again, he's actually played well, uh, early on without Kemba, which is Peyton Pritchard, but also days before the draft, they're saying, yeah, he's going to go first round. Uh, I had someone told me that the Knicks would take him, but obviously they got their guy in quickly. That was their guy all along. Um, man, the biggest surprise for me in t- some of the, the way I thought teams learned to go out, and not let college players pass them by <clears throat> Desmond Bain falling to 30 was wild to me. Uh, Elijah Hughes falling to the late thirties, still really confusing move to me. Um, I, I thought Aaron Neesmith still went too high. I don't really, I, I know we kind of differed on him. I wasn't big on him at all. Tyrell Terry falling to the second round. He let a, I mean, granted, it was 31. I thought for sure. I thought Grant Riller went way too late. Yeah, Riller was my, I think, 15th. Yeah, he was my 15th ranked player. Um, And then most, for me, the biggest one, the Mavs very rarely listen to what I want. They've done it once with uh, 2018, but I don't really count that because that was just such a, they needed to hit class. Um, But they got Josh Green, and I never expected them to actually take him. I didn't expect him to be there. I didn't expect them to take him. That was huge. I like it. Yeah, and then last one, the top thing you learned uh, about the draft, like biggest takeaway, anything like that from 2020 draft. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah. Uh, honestly, don't listen to any uh, – like not listening to what other people say, 100% is it. Uh, that and like – I know that's a cheap answer, but I used to – I used to give in at the very last minute. I'd be like, well, I have like, you know, some guy who I don't believe in 50th, but he's like ranked 30th everywhere else. I guess I'm going to put him like low 30s. And then I'm, I end up being right. And it's like, well, why didn't I just listen to myself? Same thing at David Donovan Mitchell. I could have put that guy fifth. And I was like, I'm too scared. And I would have been completely right, you know? Um, so I, I do think just following your gut. Cause like at the end of the day, we know what we see and we're good at it. Like it matters. Um, but the other thing is, like, I mean, I, I underrated feel until this feel for the game, you know, until this 2020 draft, uh, because I think this is probably the best floor of a draft I've ever seen. Uh, and I think we're already seeing early dividends. There's not, how many 
we haven't said this about a rookie yet, but like no rookie looks bad, you know, they don't look lost. And if they are, they might be a two way guy. Like it's none of these first round, second round guys are looking like, why the hell did we take him and not somebody else? You're not going to see that. I mean, Patrick Williams, who people crapped on has an incredible feel, you know, early pick probably way too high for someone who averaged nine points a game or whatever. But if you watch the games, you understood why. Um, and he's looked good. So right. I, I do think that valuing floor was a big takeaway for me. Um, honestly, I think I'll just say doing this podcast with you has made me uh, watch the game a little differently. Um, and value different things, you know, just hearing other people's opinion. And I think it kind of made me a little more active, you know, regarding, you know, the draft community on Twitter and things like that. And, um, you learn a lot from it. Um, you know, as I, I mean, I'm a coach, but like, not really like I coach middle school, like I'm more of an aspiring coach at this point. Um, you know, I was always kind of looking at the big picture, um, and doing this, you know, you really have to break down, okay, what, what are players doing and how does that translate to winning? And that's the most important thing, right? You could have a really good player. Um, I'll, I'll say James Harden, you have a really good player, but how much of what they do is conducive to winning? Um, how much of what they do is they have to be in a perfect situation. Um, you know, and then, yeah. and then situation means so much too, um, both in terms of, you know, their situation in college and then the situation they get put in, in the NBA. Um, so I don't know, before I get too ranty, I'll say that's my, I mean, that's my, no, you're right. And spot on. I mean, think about Cole Anthony, like, Cole Anthony probably was, I mean, there's a really strong case. He was the most talented player in high, the high school class um, and went to the worst possible situation for college, just had everything go wrong that could go wrong. Injury, teammates, his best teammates got injured. Uh, spacing was horrible. Like we talked about that. And then he goes to the Magic who need exactly what he brings to the table. And he's already been one of the better rookies through this first week, you know, Um yeah, so I mean, I completely agree, and and like you said, I mean, these, those breakdowns are awesome. If you go back and listen to them, I mean, they're really in depth. Something, I mean, I've never done stuff like that before, so I'm very, very appreciative that you came up with those, uh, like the pattern we did and everything. So, um, no, I mean, that stuff. Yeah, like you said, it, it it makes you see the light differently. Like for me, I I don't know. Like I think Harden's a bit extreme, and I'm just nitpicking here. Harden's an extreme example because you get a superstar. You know, I think at that point it's like. You know, yeah, superstar is a superstar, but yeah. he's just not someone <laughs> like, I see winning a championship unless he forms right. a super team. Right. And, and like, for me, it's like trying to find guys. Like, I think that, you know, like, there's guys that they do a bunch. Andrew Wiggins is a 20 points per game guy. No matter how, how bad we want to crap on him for it, he is. It just doesn't help winning. Same with Terry Rozier, other guys like that. And you can kind of spot those guys before if you do your homework. You know, and that's why we were lower on some guys, both of us, than a lot of the consensus, why we were higher than some guys than the consensus. Now, how right or wrong we are, we'll see. But, you know, no, like you said, I uh, I really appreciated those those breakdowns. Like, they're real good, I think. 
Hey, by the way, I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this, and we might lose some Uh-oh. listeners. That's why I'm a little concerned about Luca in the long term. Ooh. But wow, it's, that is scorching hot to end the year. It's a different Dang. it's a different situation. Like, look, they're they're so similar as players, but obviously personalities are different, situations totally different. Um but it I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think I, 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 I don't think Luka... I, I think Luca can be the guy to win a championship. But I think he's going to need a little more help than, like, maybe Dirk did. Yep. Dirk, Dirk had a lot of help as far as the depth goes. But, like, was anybody scared of Jason Terry or Sean Marion? Like, not really. <laughs> or Jason Kidd at that point in his career? No. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree, and I do think you need you need stars. I mean, like that's it's a star driven league. No, I don't think any team is going to win with one superstar. Fortunately, you know? I think we have the best complimentary piece you in could realistically attain for Luca. <laughs> yeah, so yep, I do still yeah, think I mean, championships are are attainable, but yep. I to me it's a. It's a viable concern. Yeah, and and I I don't worry about Luca himself. I, I think the only area I would worry about Luca for is just like you said, um, it's just kind of the how they surround him. And I do worry that like if they don't surround him, he's gone in seven years or whenever he'd be up. But I mean that's a long times away. Who knows? They I mean they got a lot of drafts in that. Like I mean for all we know, the maps could find this deal of the draft. I mean. We still don't know how even Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, or Tyler Bay are. Um, I, I, I'm not worried about that too much, but I do think uh, you are onto something, though. Like we still don't know. Like the, there's, you know, there's a yeah, lot. It's of, also uh, 21, so like slap me in yeah, the face. I'm not worried about it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm not worried about it, but like it is a valid concern, I think. Yeah, because we just don't know. So, but yeah, no, this is uh this is good. 2020 hopefully will be the worst of our years. Uh, and hopefully 2021, I mean, dude, I mean, the draft will be really fun, even though it won't be in the normal time. I think it's what J- July or August now. Um, but we'll be coming, you know, obviously we'll do the breakdowns and stuff and everything. So yeah, we'll, we'll still be here. <laughs> 2020. Oh God, voice crack. 2021 should be a big year for us. Um, try to bring you guys, you know, more content, better content. Uh, let us know what else you'd like to hear from us. Um, again, thanks everyone so much for listening. I know everybody and their brother tried to start a podcast uh, during the <laughs> pandemic, um, but um, I'm glad that we've kept it going. I think it'll be fun to to continue doing uh, throughout the year and in the years to come. We're we're getting into our podcasting prime. <laughs> and uh, maybe post-pandemic we could do – um, you know, podcast from the same room. That would be fun. Dude. So that's a foreign, that is a foreign concept to me. That's how we started, but. Oh, a sports dog back in the day. Shout out Josh Hoffenstein. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, when I was praising, I was one, right on one and very wrong on the other. I was, my two guys were Donovan Mitchell and. Uh, EK Anikbogu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you win some and you lose some. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah.
So uh, go ahead and um, leave us a, a nice review, rate us five stars, subscribe so you don't miss out on any uh, any future episodes. Um, anything else from you? No. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. May 2021 be significantly better to you than 2020. And with that, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.